0: Hello, my beautiful patrons. Thanks for coming along for another podcast episode. Uh, today we have a guy named Vlad. I met him on an ayahuasca retreat when I was in Colombia last week. He seemed like a really interesting guy. Um, and then <clears throat> on the retreats that we go to, on so that we drink ayahuasca on Friday, and then the next Monday we have like a little wrap up, kind of talk about how you're going to integrate the experience and. It's it's kind of like a group therapy session, whatever. So I, we basically I met him on Friday Monday, we saw each other again at this um, Integration circle and We got dinner afterwards and then he actually let me stay over at his house overnight um, Because I didn't have a place to stay. So Vlad is a top guy um, Yeah, basically just let me stay for like 24 hours at his crib um, And then yeah, we recorded this this podcast the 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 topic of the podcast was gonna be like how to make money abroad, how to make money remotely. Because he's a writer, he um he writes like other people's PhD theses. I don't know if it's ES or thesi. I don't know. It shows how educated I am. I'm sure Vlad would know. Uh, but yeah, he's a writer. He's a Russian guy. But he writes all his stuff in German for these PhD students, and then he also writes novels, and he he just kind of all over the place. But really creative dude. Anyways, I was that's what the the topic of the podcast was gonna be, and um, we kind of meandered. We we definitely <laughs> we definitely meandered on this one. Um, but Vlad just had a lot to say. He's got a lot of interesting thoughts about a lot of topics, and I didn't really want to limit it to to one thing. I just kind of wanted to let him let him riff. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, yeah. And I think this is going to be like the direction of the podcast. I think this is where we're going to go. I'm just going to meet cool people on the road, sit them down, have a chat with them. Usually vaguely about a topic, but you know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, is that it? Let's see. I got, I got a list here. I'm I'm very prepared. (laughs) Let's see. Oh yeah. Russian dude. He's been living abroad for 15 years. So yeah, I'm just gonna give you guys a few like background facts so the episode makes a little more sense because we didn't really take the time to to describe shit as, as it was happening. So yeah, Russian guy, makes a living being a writer, but he writes in German, um, obviously speaks English. Um, he's been living in Colombia for like the last three years. He's been living abroad for the last 15 years. He has been back to Russia in forever. And he was telling me about like all the issues recently going on with Putin and like authoritarianism, and basically Putin just declared himself a dictator. Um, he'll go into more detail in the episode, obviously. But basically, Vlad wants to move back to Russia to kind of combat what's been going on recently. He wants to be a journalist and kind of put his neck out there for the good of the Russian people. So, yeah, like I said, really interesting guy. Um, I enjoyed talking with him, and <coughs> it's not COVID. Not COVID, and uh, hope you enjoy too. Yeah, if you have any suggestions for like different topics or people I should talk to or ideas for the podcast, I would love to hear your opinion. So drop a comment. Uh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. All right, guys, enjoy. <laughs> well, thanks for sitting down to talk with me, Vlad. Appreciate it, dude.
1: Are you already like filming? Yeah, yeah. Ah, fuck. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate for the invitation. Mm type to be here to share a little bit yeah dude. i like that i like that to be part of the story um that you told about yourself and uh, i think it's nice to inspire and share yeah
0: so um how did you get to medellin you said so you're from russia mm-hmm. how did you end up here you said it you lived in like a lot of different countries and
1: yeah it's uh it's it's a way of 15 years actually oh, getting around the world, getting to know myself, getting to know places, getting to know what I really love, and um, trying a lot, trying a lot, like just not thinking too much, just like getting myself into it. I would say I have no no fear in a lot of things, and I was like, let me do that, and I know that I have the confidence that doing it will get me a step closer to, to what I really love and where I should be, and so I started in Germany uh, Spent a while in Scotland, went to Canada, went to United States and everything was always like... Making the way that I should come to Colombia and mm. then live this while here because... Uh, finally, I wanted to stay in the United States. It didn't work out. The visa, Trump, uh, it was all <laughs> difficult in that time. The when were you in the US? it was um 2018 2017 2018 yes and in that time visa regulations were so hard um university costs were so high and i was still down to do it i was still down to like invest like a hundred thousand dollars to stay there and be able to to study something you know so you really wanted to stay i want i love the united states i love the united states in that time it was like my my place of freedom. I believed in the American dream, I believed in capitalism, I believed in um, working for the good and being, being being in the the grind of the daily work, you know? Yeah. And making the money to live in a penthouse or whatever. <laughs> Were you living in a, a penthouse? No, I lived in a place in in, in, in plantation, in a regular, like three-bedroom, normal with two girls, one Cuban girl, one Mexican girl, Sounds and right, uh, I was going out with a Colombian girl that time, <clears throat> because they're Miami. There are a lot of uh, yeah Latin people. Of course, it's well, yeah. just like Latin culture all over the place. Yeah, and so my visa in the United States uh, ran out, and I had to wait two months for my new labor visa to stay there and live there and t- to have just a shit job afterwards. What were you doing for work? Um, I was doing a project manager in a civil engineering company, Okay. a freelance freelance project engineer and that worked out some while, but to continue in that position and to gain a little bit more, uh, security in the sense of like being able to live in the United States and yeah. uh, having the visa, having everything like set up like law and order. I had to renew the visa to labor visa and it took two months uh-huh. and I wanted to it back but in these two months I had to leave the country yeah. and the mom of the Colombian girl that I was, was going out with in that time she was like come to Colombia just like wait two months here in Colombia and then get back to the United States live yeah. there and be happy and so I came to Colombia to Bogota first and after two months I was like I'm not leaving like, fuck the <laughs> States. just like no, I just loved it the people, the the climate, uh, the the culture, the food, it got me, you know, the girls, everything like they yeah. like, sucked me in. And I was just like, let me stay here. Everything started to work out, you know, everything yeah. was so easy to get the visa to make like a living so in some way. And the family like really gave me home, the the mom of the girl I was going out with. Uh, they really gave me like home, bed, food. Uh, they took me like their son, and that oh, made nice. me even like want to stay here more. So I canceled my flight back to the United States and wow. I said like, "Ballsy, let me just like work something out here. Let's see until when." And I was like, maybe like three months later, I was still thinking about the U.S. But after six months in Colombia, I was like, "No, I'm gonna stay here. This <laughs> is my style. Nice. This is like I want to stay here like for a long time." And it was so a- you were you were living with the girl and her mm-hmm. family. No, the girl stayed in Miami. The oh. girl stayed in Miami and I just was not there with her family, with her mom and her her stepdad. So you were like long distance relationship with her while you were in Colombia? The first two months and then we broke up. And it's like, ah. I'm going to stay here, so, so it's like,
0: not going to work out. You stay there in the United States. Yeah. I'll stay here in Colombia. Sorry, there's there's plenty of Colombians here for me. I don't Exactly. Need you anymore. Like, <laughs> just like put it on the side. It's
1: like uh, there is one, there is one, Kali is one, Medellin is one. And uh, oh, it just uh, yeah didn't work out anymore, and the family really gave me home and family and feeling good and I lived one year with them. Oh wow! Well, you stayed with the family after I you broke stayed, up with the girl. Yeah, I stayed one fucking year with the family. They didn't get mad at you or they no? Like, they knew it. They knew that what's going to happen. <laughs> they were like, yeah, Daniela's like that. It's like it's nothing rare that happens to her. It's like no, like you like it here. You're not going to go back. Maybe one day, but mm. you can stay with with us and they let me live there for one fucking year. And that everything else worked out with the visa with like making a living, Um, having friends, I found a lot of good friends in Bogota. Mm. And then I got to a point where I was uh, able to like be on my own feet. Yeah. Then the pandemic came, everything just like another year passed. And then the pandemic, I was like, let me try something new. Because the family, they moved to the United States as well. So, I was kind of by myself in Bogotá. And I was like, Medellín's the place. Let me see how it is. Good yeah. weather. Uh, nice climate. Uh, organized so. city. And I just packed my shit and came here. And that's, that's the way of, of getting to, to Medellín. Nice. Everything brought me here at the end. Yeah. It's like it made it, sense. It made sense. Life, <coughs> life really wanted that I'm here. That's what I feel. Because... Yeah. In the U.S., when I was living there and wanted to live there, I was fighting against so many like burdens and blockages, and nothing was working out. I was forcing it, you know. Mm. And I stood there, and I there, like two years later. It's like no, I came to Colombia, and everything was like just so easy for me. Yeah. And so for me, it's a sign that I should be here. Yeah, you know,
0: you're like water. You're like flowing down yeah, some too. river, and get yeah, like like stuck on a rock, and you're like, uh-huh. no, let's keep moving. Uh-huh. go to Medellin. <laughs> The US is too difficult. <laughs>
1: yeah, like like Bruce Lee said, be water, flow, um, be a circle. Mm. And I understood that and I I've understood that because I opened a very emotional and like sensitive part of myself here. Mm. That I'm like more empathic, more to people. I left that rational mind uh, of Europe, Russia, United States, being an engineer, like. Because that, that was the blockage in my life, you know, mm. I, would, I would do that because of social conditioning, you know, to be that person that they want people there to be. And I understood that here because I'm much more emotional, sentimental, empathic person than I believed back in the day. Mm. And I think not feeling good in, in Europe was that because I was blocking my real self. Yeah. and here in Colombia I could really like be myself for the first time and people are do accept that and p- people do appreciate that
0: yeah well people are so open here they're just so easy to talk to I mean like you said you just got coffee down the street and mm-hmm. talked to like five people because it's just so easy is it's not that way in Russia or Germany No,
1: no it's like everyone is <clears throat> as we talked this morning rushing to his thing and like closing down like a horse with a with uh, the, blinders. the blinders on the sides like let me do my stuff don't look left and don't look right um, let me get my goals together that are not, not even the goals of the people that's like social conditioning again it's like work studying um be obedient to politics mm-hmm. uh, have a family um make children buy a house build a house die like that way you know like people mm-hmm. believe that it has to be like that and mm-hmm. people do not want to share because it's hard to get there you know all oh, right they're so not giving. they're not giving exactly like- they're not not sharing that because it's so hard for them to achieve their goals it's like getting getting them so so um, Egoistic in a way. It's like I had to work hard for it. So yeah. you got to work hard for it I'm not helping you as well. You it's no the same one. in the States. It's very
0: individualistic. Uh-huh. It's not very collective at it's all
1: It's like drop you out on the street and do your stuff and if you go- get there get there and no one is like let's do this together and Is Russia uh, a wealthy country would you say? Like are people like comfortable there? It's a difficult question because you can like what is wealth? Mm. Russia the government is very wealthy it's a mm. very rich country because uh, there's a lot of gasoline, oil and all that. Mm. So the government is extremely wealthy. But the people do not have shit mm. <clears throat> The people live like 30 years ago, 40 years ago. There is no money. Because the government and the few rich people, oligarchs, mm. the ones who... For example, there is this one city uh, Yakutsk. and close to that there is said to be the richest city of, uh, of the country, of Russia, because it's with uh, a lot of gold there, you can get out a lot of gold out of the mountains. <coughs> so actually it would be the richest city of the country, but there is one businessman who dominates all the all, uh, gold mining. Mm-hmm. He Takes the gold, sends it to Moscow, to the government, and the people there are the, the poorest economically yeah. in all the country. But
0: resourcefully, they
1: have resourcefully. It's the richest place in Russia. Wow. But economically, the the quality of life, what people do actually have, it's the poorest place in Russia. Wow, it's that's like fucked up, man. And this is how you can describe Russia. It's a lot of uh, <clears throat> egoism, a lot of uh, opportunistic, yeah, greed. Sounds like greed from the government you know Mm. it's a lot of uh, idealistic thoughts that the government has to lead government has to have the power it's very uh, totalitarian yeah um, authoritarian that never has gone uh, out of the Russian mindset and so people actually do not have people Mm. in the it's also a big country you know it's the biggest country on this planet yeah it is there are 11 different time zones (laughs) from one end to the other like in one 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 is like morning and the other time zone is evening already you know that's crazy dude imagine how how difficult it is to like to govern a country that big you know with so many different ethnicities um, influences resources it's just hard to like maintain all that and so with all these 200 years of the 100 years Um, of more or less Dictators Mm. communism socialism uh, Bolshevism for all One for all and all for one kind of Mm. but it never worked because it was at the end all for one, you know Mm. All just like working for the profit of the few Mm. When you have that mindset so long in your mind it is not easy to be like okay now we are like an open democratic country that Mm -hmm. uh, applies uh, capitalism and uh, no just like let's work and be motivated no it's like it's not working like that you know you you know in the united states how long of a way it was to build the united states Mm -hmm. in an economic sense how they are today so russia is open for now since 89 so Mm -hmm. what it is it is like 33 almost 33 years just mm-hmm. it's nothing 33 is like one generation yeah it's one generation or two generations that now have a different mindset so it takes a long while that let's say well-being in the economic sense will come to the country so do you think people are like
0: scarred from like the oligarchs and stuff like that yeah. do you think that's why they're not so generous
1: yeah they're, they're trying to like protect themselves okay. mm. Um is because if if they're always taken from you if they're always taken from you why should you give yeah. if there is always a force that makes you feel i think we talked about that last night when i <coughs> said what does it do to a culture to society when they're the loser and what does it do to a society when they're always the winner yeah this mindset of like always being the the second and it applies to one country as well. So you have the rich one, the, the the strong ones, in a sense, which dominate and have all the property. Yeah. And then the the, the people from the countryside, it's like where are no options, where options are not 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 built up. Yeah. Why should you give when you when you never s- have seen someone generous? Damn. You can just do something if you have seen it before. So you can just do something if you learn something, but if it is not in your mind to be generous, because it never you have never seen it, you have never seen Colombian culture, for example, the, where people just give because of giving, mm-hmm. um, because just of sharing, how should you know about it? How should you act upon those principles in life? So they take always from you, they put you into camps, they uh, make you work for them. Why should you think another way? You know, It's very hard, you need to be mm-hmm. a pioneer in something like yeah. in, in, in engineering you need a pioneer to do a new technical development also in society you need a pioneer who's going to say like let's do shit different but in human, yeah. in human nature in human evolution there's just like one out of ten is a pioneer so it's not that easy to, yeah. to get there
0: sounds like there's some like generational trauma <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. huh. because it's been so many generations look at, look at black culture in the United States 300 years of trauma and like today it's still so bad you know and they're Mm -hmm. still in this underdog position loser position and because they were so so long like suppressed you know yeah it takes a while it takes a long time it takes Martin Luther King um, all these uh, big leaders they were to make a change yeah and for example, in Russia, there are no big leaders right now because it's getting back to no dominant, um, anti-democratic structures. Yeah. Aren't like the elections in Russia like kind of fake? Yes. Yeah, so last year, Putin said that there will not be elections until 2036. <laughs> he declared himself officially a dictator. Oh, my God. So that was last year during the pandemic and he made it with a fake and he made it with a fake mm, election kind of yeah wasn't it
0: like 95%
1: he won by like 95% yeah, or something like something, like that. something like that and he did the election for this this constitutional change on a day that is a very important day in Russia mm-hmm. It's the 9th of march where the russian won the war the second world war and everyone's in russia is partying that day mm. because it's like hey let's celebrate like yeah. uh, patriotism or whatever and so no one on that day is focusing on politics no one is like watching news on that day yeah, and on that uh-huh and on that single day he changed the constitution and just like m- took in the the votes he needed and just like slipped it in like without anyone knowing.
0: sneaky bastard
1: i tell you And So uh, they are going to close the internet. There is going to be just a Russian internet soon. the Opponents of the government are still disappearing Mm -hmm. Um, If you're against they search you if you do on social media comments against the government or something They don't like they delete it. Mm -hmm. So it's a very Yeah, but uh, but you you said you want to go back to Russia, right? Yeah, I want to go back to
0: Russia. Why is that? you said it's been what 15 years since you've
1: been there so you've been abroad for 15 years 15 years outside the country i feel feel it some kind of a calling yeah there are some personal reasons with identity and i feel like i've been running away also from there 15 years a long time and always search a reason to not go back Mm. it was like ah let me be the independent person of like just like getting to know the planet be that like native uh, digital native be the digital nomad whatever in the end i understood it's just like like some excuses to not go back and have to confront what there is Mm. um there's a lot like some like family trouble and whatever and so there's on one side i have this personal reason of my identity i just want to go back and like stop like running away on the other end i want some like calmness and family mm. because now we're like getting a little bit older understanding the importance of yeah being connected to to your roots as well yeah and on the other end as I'm as um really like social uh, so socially critical and like I have this side of like rebellion and art myself I feel it it is calling now as well to go back there in these difficult times of Russia Mm. to be there to um, to be there and inform to be there and demonstrate to be there and inspire to to in the sense of a journalist to to be there and show to people what is going on in this country Mm. because it's really it's turning so bad what is happening there it is so against freedom and human liberty and human rights and I feel it as a purpose that because I'm always I always have been like against like social constructions uh, political constructs and the social conditioning mm-hmm. um, so it's the the rebel in myself that want to go back there and fight the fight for the yeah. good of all the good of humanity and I feel that I that's that's my calling in life but you're not worried about the repercussions oh shit what happened?
0: camera is too hot. All right, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people, we're back after a short intermission, my camera overheated, so we're back. So anyways, what were you saying? You're going back to show people what's going on. Inform,
1: inform and by that, inspire and educate in a way. That's why I wanna get back to open minds, uh, because I think I'm in a position to to talk about what is happening and has happened because I've seen so many different cultures people societies that I'm um, experienced enough to may to compare and to really get to the to the base of what is like happening right now in Russia mm-hmm. and um, I have this open world view I feel that and I I think people can um, really, um, yeah, take something away from it. So it's the 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 desire for, like, helping humanity and the desire for revolution. I've always been this revolutionary person um, because I feel we need it. It's a step for constant evolution and for the better of all. And on the weekend you say, like, everyone is a, is a good person, you know. And I do believe that too um that we're all here for a reason, and there are some for everything's a force you know there are some peace needs war, mm. black needs white everything's like the the way that's like equilibrating you know and mm. uh, so there are people that need to make something stuck and something to make to make it feel like difficult and there's the the the, the, the the weight on the other side that needs to like equilibrate that again Mm -hmm. you know so I I wouldn't wouldn't say it's I think everything is necessary what happens on on this planet everything is necessary and I think we will not be able to live on a planet where just is peace and love and everything because if there's just peace and love and uh, all the good stuff we call there's no weight on the other side Mm -hmm. you know for constant evolution and getting better and re Rethinking, renewing, resolving—you need the the, the the weight on the other side of the scale. And um, so, you want to be that weight. I want to wanna Russia. be that weight to Russian. Um, I'm not fearing uh, how do you say me? repercussion? Yeah, repercussions. I don't. I don't fear that. I think that's even more of a motivation. Um, be like a public enemy, but what is a public enemy to you know? Um, It is because of those people who who declare you public enemy, because it's because you go against their thoughts and their ways. But there has to be this force that contradicts them and go into there. I I, I think that's even more of a motivation to um, show, no matter how difficult or hard the situation is, that you can do the change. You should get in there. There cannot be peace without war. There cannot be uh, a revolution without death, mm. in a sense, without it, blood. Without blood, yeah, it, it needs to be. It needs to be the fight, and so you need the, the warriors, soldiers to go in there and to um, offer themselves to to fight that fight. Mm. And so I think they cannot take my, for example, at the end, the result that will be received for me is worth to. Um, go through all what might happen i not mm-hmm. sure what might happen but look at nelson mandela he was so many years in, in prison yeah. he never lost faith and he, he he fought the same way it's like there cannot be uh fought a war without um sacrificing something mm-hmm. he never lost that faith and he's still on there and he's still today this 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 public hero for Always believing in his values and always believing in his way, and so yeah, if they take away my my freedom in the sense of my physical freedom and put me in jail or whatever, it's not taken away something because freedom is what I determine to be freedom for myself. Freedom is what I have in my mind. And so the purpose, what I would do that for, and I would like to do that for, is much more important than, uh, for example, me having physical freedom. Wow you got got some balls I feel like some some honorable shit you gotta do for it you have a huge love for humanity and -hmm. really for as you also said on the weekend it's like you for can be murderers there's always a reason for murder for molester there's like always a reason for it just like be empathic even to something you do not completely understand or want to accept or respect be empathic see what's behind there because we need it in a sense, and it's we are here for a reason on this planet, and everyone is fulfilling his reason in a sense. Mm-hmm. Everyone is like just flowing together how it should be, and how the planet it needs right now like the energy, the let's say a spiritual energy, universal energy. Everything is, works how it works because it needs to be like that, you know. And um, so, this is what I need to do, I feel this really deep calling myself to really inspire and inform and demonstrate. So how do do you want to do that?
0: You said, so you're a writer, Uh you make a living writing. Do you want to go over there and like do journalism
1: or? This is the way I I plan to do that. So it is more than I'm a writer. I feel like I'm a, I'm an informer. I'm a critic and I'm a storyteller and writing is just one, one way of doing it that I, convinces me the most, but I just told you that I do also like public speaking, I really like, I do uh, some music, was another way of inspiring and uh, telling, telling a story. Um, but I do believe that it is the emotion that makes a change. It is not the let's get get to a to a class and learn about how to make the change and mm-hmm. let's look into a book and then learn it for an exam and no, what is making a change? Like for example, just, just put it out there. Um, just put it out there with the example of school. You put children into a English class let's say Russian children to an English class and mm-hmm. you sit there and there's the teacher and the children already like get into class and open their books and it's like fuck oh, vocabulary <laughs> yeah. grammar structure Tom exactly. catches a ball I'm like bro why do I need to learn that you know yeah and it's kids so are boring. yeah so boring and then <laughs> yeah. there's a, for the other one it gets to like really complex thing like um conjunctions and uh, uh, different verb tenses. different verb tenses and past and future and like she's like fuck I know I'm never going to understand that they get fear you know yeah but then on the other end you send kids to a summer camp where there is a group of English children mm-hmm. and everyone's playing laughing football music and everyone's interacting and after three weeks of that summer camp that kid learned more then I learned like in two years of class. 100%. S- six weeks, and I was enjoying like, English is such a beautiful language and because it made a connection there, right? And mm-hmm. it was built up on emotion and story and building life, you know? And so I do believe, I do not believe in the educational system we do have on this planet mm-hmm. because it, it blocks us and it teaches something that you do not accept. For what have information when you cannot apply that information? Exactly. exactly in old Japanese culture they say um, you should only um, acquire knowledge if you're going to apply it Mm. knowledge for having knowledge does not make any fucking sense (laughs) correct (laughs) and it actually confuses you it takes you away from the way of of Zen of uh, of being with in the the mode of wisdom
0: emptiness Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> now I feel the same way. I mean, I studied Spanish for five, six years and didn't ever need it or use it or want to use it. And then I came to Colombia, and in That's four months, I get I got like that way better. Awesome, right? Four months compared to six years. <laughs> and you had like little motivation
1: here, yeah, to to do that to, to make to friends, people. to order
0: food, yeah. to yeah, like Party. a story. I had a story to tell, exactly. a story to and live. And so,
1: there we go, story to tell. So I believe in. Storytelling as education, as informing, because also there's a lot of journalism that's just like facts. Yeah, I love gossip journalism, where it's where it's like really like subjective, where there is a lot of like words that you wouldn't use in a formal con- uh, context. It is um, how's the word in English. Um, Poetic, sure, mm. um, but it's like there's not like real reasoning behind it, but it still demonstrates emotion and transports an emotion and people mm-hmm. get that emotion and want to like be inspired by that emotion. Mm. So uh, this is what I love really in, in storytelling that can be in, in, in pure writing and novels, drama. It can be in journalism and about like informing about something that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so I would say drama is more and more fiction. Journalism is more tended to, to real life, what's going on. And then in the middle you have the, the art, the rhythmic, the, the music part, was, for example, for me it's poetry. Mm-hmm. It's three different types, but you can like get to something and, and inspire the people and you can transport the same message you transport in a class of sitting, Front of the teacher, by a story that goes about animals that are fighting each other uh, for some territory and then end up making friends and working against the human. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, it wasn't George Orwell Animal Farm. Yeah, I was thinking that's the plot of Animal Farm. Exactly, you know. Mm. Um, And Animal Farm is about. Fucking communism, how <laughs> how it did not work, you know, yeah. and it demonstrated perfectly. It's like you are in it. It's like you read Marx and Hegel and Engels. It's like, damn, how does communism work? And then you read like the the Animal Farm, what is like a, a hundred page book. You read that in one day. It's like, damn, this is how communism works. Yeah. And you had like fun and it was like <laughs> thrilling. It's like I didn't stop to turn pages in Animal Farm. It's one of my favorite books, and um, this is what I believe. It's my calling to do that and I would use, yes, the written word, the spoken word and the uh, hear the motion word, music, mm-hmm. these, these types, Some, something is in there, I have to develop that still, I'm young, yeah. I'm young, but my calling I think is to inspire, I believe in inspiring and informing. I can feel it in you, if you feel like
0: an inspiring guy. Thank you. Yeah, so you've been a writer for, you said, so you studied in Germany. And then you moved to the US, right? And you stopped your engineering degree. And is that when you started to become a writer in the U.S? No, I started to get it right when I was born. Okay. But
1: well, you started it's make- money. Money is another point. This is what a lot of people think that's when you start to be something, when you make money out of it. No, I started to be a writer and this critic and this thinker when, on the day I was born and my mom gave me the name I, I have. Vladislav, it's a name my mom told me when I was a kid. It's the name of the greatest Russian writers and greatest Russian critics and philosophers and artists. Um, it's not a very, it, it, it's common, sure, in Russia It's there, it is this, but it, it is a very art, artistic name and all the big social critics and uh, accepted writers they had this name and brought it to honor For that, from that day on it was clear to me also to, there's a reason behind that um and i've been writing since really learned to write when i was four years old and since there i was since that day i was writing uh, short stories and for example it was funny i was in in, in, in elementary school mm-hmm. and they gave me like how is the system in the U.S. ABC, right? It was yeah. great. grades. They gave me like F on my writing. <laughs> like, the fuck's wrong with them? F, 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 F. F. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like so pissed off by them. Like, why do they like you know like rate me so bad? Like, I love it what I do and like everything. They just like put me in. And I sat down at home also like with some incentive of my mom's like just like not get better and I was just my free time writing one short story after another one. Mm. And creating like, sometimes like I I looked at like comics, whatever, where there were no speech bubbles. And then I wrote a short story to comics out of like a Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck or um, some Asterix and Obelix or some, there's like father and dad stories. And there are, there are like, When you look at them, they're like speechless. And I created to that and built my own short stories. And I wrote, so So, like, I just continued writing. And every fucking day I did my, 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 my diary. Mm -hmm. And then all my travels, I traveled a lot when I was a kid in Europe and Canada as well. Writing was always there, I had so many like, how do you say, pen pen pals, right? Pen pals, yeah. yeah. Like English pen pals? Yeah, in in, in New Zealand I had one, I had one in China. Um, I had one in Canada, so we always went back and forth, back and forth to my grandparents. Always, everything I did was writing and reading, and then like being outside to this. Like, sounds like a great childhood. Game, game, and then now I think yes. Back in the day, I thought I wanted to be with my friends and play PlayStation. <laughs> my mom never like let me because she's like, no, here you have a book, here you have a pen, write that's great and uh, well, even now like i'm
0: i woke up today and like started looking at my phone and you woke up today and were like reading books so i feel like it's a lifelong it's a lifelong path
1: yeah yeah i love it and now i understand I understand what my mom did and she did it for the good my mom's the same she's i think you can't ask my mom like about a random book but she read it yeah i've never seen a person who had had, had read so many books she never would she never writes writing her shit but she reads and reads and uh. reads and it can be like, you go to a bookstore, it's like, have you read this one? Sure. Have you read this one? <laughs> <laughs> sure. like, damn. My it's mom amazing. never gave me for Christmas or for birthday, never gave me money and never gave me uh, like material things like phones mm-hmm. or PlayStation or Game Boy, whatever. She always gave me a fucking book. Like, here you have a book. <laughs> Until today she's doing, here you have a book. That's great. And uh, now I love it. Back in as a child, it's difficult when you see a lot of childs like playing on PlayStation, having the newest clothes. Um, yeah. always hanging out together and you're like the one who's reading in the corner um, mm. As a child it's difficult actually, it's difficult but now yeah. it, it brought a lot of benefit So, um, yeah, back then, and this difficulty in childhood brought me also to something what I also had, I was always this kind of like rebel person mm-hmm when i was when i was like 14 years old i ran away from home why <laughs> because i couldn't anymore i couldn't do school i never finished school actually I never finished college um, oh, high school you high say. school high school right and because i could never understand why i should go there and learn something i didn't want to learn that is not like getting into my head the way they taught it and yeah. just sit there and be obedient and I had a lot of problems because I always opened my mouth. <laughs> and two types I was always a jokester, but also the critic, you know, like always the, those yeah. types. And teachers just hated me. They F, 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 F on everything. <laughs> I had like the worst grades on, on all it. And that made me like my parents are like really like structure, you know, you, you gotta do good school, be yeah. there. And so they put pressure on me. Of course. And that brought us to a point where we were just like day and night fighting. In school, yeah. at home, I was hating myself, and uh, so uh, depression was also like very, very, early in my life apart because of that. Mm-hmm. Because of that. Today I speak with my mom and I ask her when, 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 when did I start to be depressive?
0: Yeah.
1: When you started to have to comply social norms, mm-hmm. she tells me. It's like once you got into all the social environment where people want something and want to change you. This is when you got depressive and always when you were away from that when you were in nature by yourself with friends outside in summer camp you were the happiest person ever yeah so uh, something
0: about being a teenager too like you that's when you start to become a little more socialized like you kind of are more aware of your social environment and like pleasing yeah. other people trying to please trying, trying. yeah and it's, it's that a whole, hard age man it's a it's hard, a hard age, fucking
1: age and then yeah being that guy who's always just reading by himself at the corner writing And all the other kids with the new clothes, skateboards, game boys and whatever, it got just read it to me, you know? Yeah. And I understood that school is not my thing. Everything was F and we just were fighting. And then I said one day, I'll leave. My mom understood. She was like, okay, I'll leave. You just told her, like, I'm leaving. And then wow. she was like, Okay, but you gotta do something. We're gonna support you in that, but you gotta do something. You cannot just like leave. And uh, by myself I, I found a job. And it was like it was like ten hours away from my mom's house. Mm-hmm. So it was that was in, in North Germany. In North Germany. And I went to South Germany by myself. And I found down there a job in a, how do you say? As a cake maker. Wow. Baking cakes and cookies and all that. At fourteen years old. At fourteen years old. And from that day on, I started to live by myself. Uh, were, you, were you happier when you left? I was really being myself. I was really being myself. Um, I loved that being independent and everything worked out, even if I fucked it up a lot. <laughs>
0: Did you make a lot of fuck ups? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of problems with drugs and police came. Mm. A lot of being in the street. But I was always responsible, you know? So there was always this side that went to, to work, complying when I had to comply there. Yeah. And then like after work I was just hanging on the streets with the guys. With Did the you parks. have a place to stay? Yeah, I got my own apartment. I got my own Damn. apartment when I was fifteen. That's crazy. My Man. first own apartment. When you're fifteen you have your own apartment, imagine what's happening there. Everyone's hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Girls, all the fifteen drugs. Yeah. Smoking weed all fucking day. Being on party on a Wednesday. <laughs> I lived that like, oof, until I was like, almost like 18. Wow. And... What what drugs were you doing? Just um, weed? I started, I started when I was like, running away, kind of like that time when I was like 12, I started to smoke, so now I'm actually home with like 15 years smoking. Then I started like with weed when I was 13, and then when I was 14, we started with like amphetamine, you know, Uh because we couldn't afford coke and stuff, so I started amphetamine, Like Um, pills? um, No, like the white powder. Oh, okay. I don't know if they have it in the US. I don't know. They probably do, but I've never seen it. It looks like coke. It's just cheap and it's just a impediment. Yeah. So we started there. We went to parties from from the age when I was 14. I always had a fake ID where it said it was 18. And we went to every kind of party all night long. And I was buying cigarettes, alcohol, whatever. like from that like, like, uh, like loving McLovin? McLovin <laughs> Super Friday, Yeah, so that one. I love that movie. <laughs> and yeah, I'm gonna make sure this, uh, this, this is
0: working. recording. I'm gonna make sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah? We're good. I uh, have 10 minutes more. Okay, no worries. Just let me know. Okay. Because I don't have my phone, so.
1: So, um. yeah, the, the, a lot of, lot of drugs. Um, you said you started taking acid when you were like Acid when 15. I was 15. Uh, cocaine, MDMA, got to things like crack, mm. just like to try everything in a good sense and just like testing, getting my, 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 my experience, uh, but I've always been responsible. I never fucked it up. I never fucked up losing my apartment. I always made it to pay my rent and I always made it to like live that double life that I get to work and they don't notice shit. Yeah. And yeah, when I was 15, I also uh, had, had the luck, uh, or it was discipline, I don't know, um, that I came around an engineering company, and I was like, I want to work here. And they said to me, you don't even know what we're doing here. <laughs> I, like, well, I want to work here. And, and said, you didn't have like a high school no, nothing. diploma? No, you nothing. You quit school? Quit, I quit school. And the boss was like, okay, i give you a chance. You can work here two weeks and see what we're doing. And if you like it afterwards, we check <laughs> and I was there two weeks, and after two weeks, it was like, Good. You can work in you now six months, and after six months, we, we look, what's happened? How old, How old were you? Fifteen. Uh, being an engineer. In an engineering company. Oh, okay. I started. I started as a technician, as a regular technician in the production line, and then after six months, they said, you can do this. And in Germany, you have the possibility. <laughs> you have the possibility, to find a, kind of like a sponsor company can be your sponsor for university. If you demonstrate you have enough skills, you don't need a high school degree, you don't need uh, college or other education. If they say you're good for this, you're good for this. And they sponsor you, the university and the educational system. And so after those six months, I said, you got it. We accept you and now you can go into official training. Then I made like a a pre-degree to mechanical engineering, Uh was like the basic, basic mechanical engineering that took three years. And then I made a specialization, also mechanical engineering, and then I started with a complete degree. I was mm-hmm. eight years in the company. Wow. Eight years in that company. And I never fucked it up. I got promoted. I could work there, and I, I... It was kind of like sustaining my lifestyle, what I was like doing after work, you know? Right, drugs and partying. Partying and all that. And so I did that, and, and it was a good job. It wasn't too hard. And, I kind of enjoyed it because it was like good good coworkers, we were like family, yeah. I think that's a very important part why I did it so long and why also, why I did end it at some time because when I started to do it there I was like part of all the, all the coworkers. you know, we mm-hmm. were one group. Like a family. A family, exactly. And the more I did degrees, the more I evolved in the company, I got to a position when I was a production planner and then at the end... Like short before I finished my my degrees, my 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 bachelor degrees in mechanical engineering, official. Uh, I went up to a manufacturing engineer in the mm-hmm. company. So after eight years, uh, being went twenty two years old at the end, twenty one, twenty two. I came up to a kind of managing position mm-hmm. in the company, and I all like I like went away from that family to be more like the independent. Managing person, yeah, and so that separated me from the family. The, the The more I went away from the family, the less I liked to work there. Mm-hmm. And so now, like, now it was like six years later. I understand that what I liked of being an engineer or, or like being there was like being with them, mm-hmm. not being but an one. engineer and doing doing the the managing stuff, you know. And so the more I like I went away from them and. Did my own stuff there. The more I got into like, like political stuff at work, the more bullshit, bullshit started to happen, and the less I liked it. And then the, the day crashed, and I was like, "Fuck this!" On the day of my eighth anniversary on, in the company, I just quit. I just went, and then I sold my shit and went to live uh, live in the states. Went to live in the States. What was your plan at the time? Did you have a plan? Yeah, I over You over Yeah, kind of. My plan was there uh, to find a company that gives me a visa and uh, then to live there in the United States to finish all my degrees, do a master degree in University of Miami. Yeah. So you wanted to keep being an engineer? You yeah, wanted to yeah, get yeah, better yeah. and better and better? Because, well, after eight years doing it, you, 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 you do not you do not question it that much, yeah. you know, because everything was a flow. Everything was easy. Eight years of work every fucking day. Um, and it's so crazy from the age of 14, you worked at a company for eight years.
0: The longest I've worked at a company is one year, <laughs> like, I, I, I jump around so much, but you are like
1: dedicated as fuck that was it. as a 14 year old because, crazy. because I always knew it would support the end goal where I wanted to, to be, you know? And at that time, I believed a lot of about money. I just want to make money, 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 money. And I believed engineer is one of the job, and I still believe it is one of the job where you can make a lot of money no matter where you happen on this planet. Mm -hmm. Because engineer is one of those jobs, mechanical engineer is one of the jobs they always need. They always need. And I believed in that, and I wanted to penthouse, uh, Aston Martin, Rolex, and all that. Miami lifestyle. Oh, Miami lifestyle, living, yeah. Are you good on time? I'm on time. Give okay. me like the cigarette and then we're, we're done. Cool. But in between all of that, I never stopped writing. Uh-huh. Uh, I never made it for money, I just wrote. You know, My, my crazy drug trips, I, I wrote them down. I created stories from, from stories we experienced with friends in our weekend trips or vacation trips. Um, I enjoyed doing all the text work in university. I enjoyed doing all the text work I had to do as a, as a, as a, as a, as a manager in the company, mm-hmm. um, all the, what is written, I always did that, it's like me, let me do that, I never stopped that, I created my little poems, doing, um, little articles, whatever, so, it was always there, you know, always on my side. Yeah,
0: and then you, when you went to Columbia, you started to... Try to do that for a living, right? Can exactly,
1: because then engineering wasn't working out, and I noticed like I'm, I'm like forcing something that is not meant to be, and I think that was the reason I had to leave also there because life is showing me that no, you were meant for something else. Yeah, and you're not meant to like that like money lifestyle whatever. And uh, I know feel like your life is better in Colombia, right? Not just in Colombia, my life is better wherever I am now because I do what I love so it will be great in russia it will be great in asia whatever where i will be my life is better because i do what i love and what is my purpose and what's my calling Mm. and i was just one day it's like i had no money everything was like my savings were up and it's like i was so pissed that now nothing worked out and in company i was pissed against like modern structures and work and all Mm. that and and i said one day one, one, one day I said, in a year I want to live from my writing. Mm-hmm. I want to make a living. I want to have my own apartment. I just want to live from it and be on my own feet. And this happened. I set myself and just wrote my ass out and did nothing else. I cut everything <laughs> else out of my life. Just wrote. And just just wrote. And that's it. This is how I became the writer I am today. And uh, That's pretty inspirational, you just kind of like took a huge risk. You're like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna try this." <laughs> yeah, it's not risk. And I, I don't like the word risk because, I'm, so we have three things: we have risk, uncertainty, and opportunity. Mm. Risk and opportunity uh, is just a dualism, you know. In the middle, you have uncertainty. So, mm-hmm. opportunity and risk are two things that you can think of that are that you are conscious of. Uncertainty is all what you're not con- uh, conscious of. Right. So there are like 50 billion of possibilities mm-hmm. that you don't kind of even think of. And there are like five risks and five opportunities. Mm-hmm. So why do I think, should think of risk when I can, in that case, because everything is uncertain, yes or no? Why should should I think then, put my mind on the negative word when I could use the positive word opportunity? Mm-hmm. Just like go there. Just take that, just see that as a huge opportunity cut your cut your boats burn your boats that's the word burn your Mm. boats and just go in there because when you feel it you feel it you know yeah when you want it you want it wow so that's why I can say just always you should listen to what really what really is there in you just try to take away all the layers that are blocking you from the real stuff Mm -hmm. being doctor because it makes money and no be a doctor maybe because you help people and helping people is your calling you know take away the layer of money, of social status, get there to the real reason, what is behind there. Yeah. That is something good. The inspirational level. The inspirational level of yourself. And then you don't need, if you have inspiration and if you have passion, you don't need motivation. Because motivation is just something you need, like discipline, do something what you don't like to do it. But when you are like passionate and love something, then you're just like, do it because you do it, it's part of your life, like brushing teeth, going to bath mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, you don't need, like, an amount of fucking emotion and uh, uh, motivation.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, you're a pretty inspirational dude. <laughs> thank you. Uh, now right. i got to leave.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good spot to end it, though. Perfect. I would say so. Thank yeah, you thank very much for, for having me here. Thank you, bro. Chatting. Uh, opening up about your life as well. Um, having your love out there with what you do and also inspiring people. I think we connect on that. And, uh, yeah. It's the most important thing.
0: Let's kick it. Take it. Yeah, brother. That's, That's it. You, bro. All right, Do it. Bro. Cool. Let me know when it's finished. Yeah, it won't be long. I don't really edit it too much.